All right, you beautiful people. I'm back for the Maui Weekly. Aloha, everyone. Hey, let's get right to it. So, Pro Arts Maui coming up, bent, going through the 20th, Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays at 7.30 p.m., Sundays at 2 p.m., set amidst the decadence of pre-war fascist Germany. Bent is an emotional tale of love as three homosexual men fight for survival in the face of persecution. Tickets, $25 to $35. Thursdays are come on nights for 10% off. Runtime, two hours with one intermission. Contains adult content language including partial nudity, violence, strobe lighting, and simulated gunfire. 18 years and up are suggested, all right? This is, uh, the reviews are already coming in, and this is probably one of the most interesting shows we've had all year. The acting is phenomenal from what I hear. Um, I think I'm going to have to ask Miss Patty Lee to come in on a report on it because I hear she's going. So we'll probably check in with her and anybody else from the team and uh, see what they think. I'm going to leave the link for the tickets in the show notes. Make sure to fit in some time and check it out. Meanwhile, at Maui on stage, Misery from the 10th to the 13th, directed by Ricky Jones, featuring Lena Eichel Kruger and Brian Connolly, based on the novel by quintessential horror writer Stephen King. Misery tells the story of novelist Paul Sheldon as he transitions from writing historical romances featuring heroine Misery Chastain to publishing literary fiction. Annie Wilkes, Sheldon's number one fan, rescues the author from the scene of a car accident. The former nurse takes care of him in her remote house but becomes irate when she discovers that the author has killed Misery off in his latest book. Annie keeps Sheldon prisoner while forcing him to write a book that brings Misery back to life. Content warning, adult language, simulated violence, gunshots. Not recommended for children. It's definitely a date night for mom and dad uh, if you want to get your theater on this month. But don't worry, I know that Mally on Stage has got a family Friendly Ono coming up soon, so check that out, too, on their website. I'm going to leave you a link in the show notes for Misery and more. But, guys, we got uh, a return guest today. Uh, we've got uh, Linda May Maldonado, Lobby Lobby, um, and uh, I catch up on her journey. Uh, that'll be after we talk here because Enthe uh, had time separately the other day. And so we're going to squeeze that in. You guys get to listen to that. But let's talk. You know what? Let's not. I, I'm going to remind you before I leave for the Enthe's interview to vote. But before we get to that, it seems to be that outside of not showing up at the polls, people are not showing up at the solution table in general. People really like to bitch around these parts. And I can say that I am, frankly, uh, you know, part of that crowd sometimes. I did try to take some action this year and be a part of the, uh, you know, political discussion and uh, enlighten the world in that process. But I'm finding more and more everybody like complain, but nobody like do nothing about it. So as we get prepared for the next year, we're going to start targeting things that people complain about but never fix. And we're going to find hustle ways to do it, to make the world a better place through conscious capitalism, to possibly... Uh, you know, just upset the balance for positive and radical change. So, 
first on the event agenda because I've been I've been looking at a lot of things. All right, um, my job in real life is literally calculating the possibility of something with very to little assets. So I would like to use that in helping my community. And I've looked at a lot of things. You know, housing, housing's a tough thing. That's like way too pie in the sky for some of my equity. Uh, we'll have to make a lot more alliances to do that one. Uh, transportation, I could probably do that through lobbying, but I probably won't get a lot done. And look at the debacle with the monorail. So going to stay away from that. Agriculture. Now, agriculture in the land sense, I don't think I can get into that fight. But you know what we can get into? Chickens and deer. Now, guys, everybody like complain. Oh, my deer in this. My deer in that with a wiffle ball bat. Chickens everywhere. Auntie still feed them. Why she still feed them? Well, you know what? She's entitled to feeding them because she's doing right by those creatures. Would you just like to see chickens dead on the road that nobody clean up? I'd rather have living ones. All that free food lying around. Ah, free food lying around. Which brings me to my point today. All right? You see a chicken? Pick it up. You ain't going to jail for chicken kidnapping. Ain't nobody. Ain't nobody going to call the cops on you for stealing that chicken. All right? So, first, I, I, once I am out of this transition phase of renting from someone else and we have established, like, the Manaba compound, um, I'm eyeing this whole system of, like, how many chickens or deer I can hold on to or trade or move. So... Uh, if anybody like to help by beating me to the game, uh, by all means, uh, let's start like a, a crazy race. All right. Think about this. How little supplies does it take to create a chicken abatement service? Right. Right, 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 right. So then think about this. You don't got one job. There's free food lying on the ground. You go woof it for like three days, get yourself some simple supplies, and then you go catch chickens. Then everybody's happy that the chickens are gone. Then you're like, but bro, what do I do with all those chickens? Think about this. You got one egg farm, all right? You got one food farm. Yeah, you, you could turn them into like feed for other animals even. Or you could f- turn them into like, think about that. Like you got guard dogs, free chicken food. Look at that, bro. All right. So like there are a lot of options here. Personally, the rabbit hole I'd like to go down is I'd probably just scoop up all the chickens. And then take them to a ranch of my own up above the clouds. And then I just let them procreate like crazy and keep them in coops all day. And then that way I could get money off of these crazy tourists too. And then convince them into like putting money back into the item before they leave and destroy this place. Um, inside of that option, I would then open up like trips for like kids and like Easter parties. Like think about all these fun things that we could do. I could be making money just off of people lying in a, in a, in a, just like a, a, a bale of hay full of chickadees and people take Instagram selfies. You know, there there are so many things to do with these chickens instead of complain about them. There are silly ideas. They're good ideas, but they're silly ideas. We got tangible money-making ideas. Like, open up one hooli hooli stand, bro. Like, you ain't got no money. You ain't got no food, but we got all these chickens. Hooli, bro. Hooli. All right? That's where I'm going to put that. And in accordance with that, the deer. All right? And the deer... Meat-wise, outnumber the chickens. I think it's a great conversation between, uh, you know, the sitting mayor and the mayor, the guys running against him. Uh, let me not blur that. Um, 
I'm just seeing it as I see it. Anyways, but as the conversations come up on Axis Deer populations and what to do with them, et cetera, et cetera, bro, it's obvious that we want to turn them into meat, but the thing that's gotten in our way has been the USDA, all right? In the meantime, we have labeled everything as dog food just so that way we can sell it, but then people know it's going in our stomachs because that shit's legit, bro. So whatever, like, if we got to label it dog food in the meantime, do it. I don't care. Like, that's a hustle move, bro. That is a fucking hustle move. Do it. And really, with as many that are around, like, think about this. Christmas is on the horizon. How many guys are going to open up a freaking Christmas tree lot? Bro, I will rent you some of these deer, and we will get a Santa Claus, and kids will take pictures, and maybe we can break a few and turn them into a petting zoo, and then we eat the rest. And then... Uh, you know, we really should start scooping them up. Like, quite frankly, I don't know why we aren't honeypotting the woods. Like, guys, you want, like, a simple way to get rid of those deer on the edge of town? Then push the food supply back, okay? For as much as it's going to cost you to fix your yard or fix your fences or fix your anything, go down to the feed store, go get you some feed cups, all right? Take a... 50-pound bag of alpha berm or something. They'll eat anything, all right? And then you just go, like, nail the cups to the trees. Like, bro, simple as that. And then the deer go to the trees and eat. And then you go out, like, every few days, you check where they eat the most, and that's where you hunt, bro. Go get them, all right? Free venison. Only costs you time. Maybe a little freaking alpha berm. Like not even anything. You probably don't even have to put anything good in there. You could probably just get extra timothy for the goats and then just be like, here, here you go. Simple as that. Okay? Actually, you don't even need to go buy it. You know what they really like is those, the, the damn silly beans off the, off the kiavi trees. You go get all, like, you send your cakeys out and they go scoop up all the kiavi beans and then you go put them in little cups and you go nail them to the trees and then watch them all go out and eat out there. All right? Simple. Simple. And then you have cordon zones. Okay? Easier for protect your yard. Easier for the hunters to track. Ah. Sustainable ecosystem. Same way we catch the fish and put them in the pond, we keep the deer in the meadow. All right? So, now that I've I've given my two cents on on what about to do with the chickens and deer. I'm going to hold myself to this. So I'm going to start researching how to make this a functional business. And then I'm going to uh, give you an update weekly. And then maybe we're going to meet with some people that can teach us how to do this. And we'll find some other people that want to do this too. And we'll make some radical change. All right. So on the road to radical change this week, show up to vote. Not enough people are showing up to vote. It's crazy. There's a lot of people that threw in their mail-ins. That's good. Mailing in is very smart. Republican or Democrat, I don't care. You need to put your vote in the mail. But, hey, now it's too late, so you got to walk that stuff in or you got to show up at the polls. So do so. And in a lot of cases, it is never too late to register to vote and make a change today. So if you think that someone is ruining the world around you or the taxes are too high or that land should be in the people's hands, then show up and vote. Because if you don't vote, then you're just exercising someone else's vote by extension. All right. That apathy is still a vote. All right. 
And now more than ever as a people, we need to come together and we need to speak sensibly and act responsibly. Okay. One thing that I want to hold everybody to in the next year is there really needs to be a change in how bipartisan politics occurs in America and especially in Maui, especially in in Hawaii, in the land of Aloha. I really don't get how colonialism has corrupted what is a two-party system with like 170 offshoots into this one-sided system that's even betraying the people on that side because it's broken it. I respect my Democrat counterparts, and I tend to find that there's a lot we have in common so long as we take the time to talk to each other. Uh, I'm finding more and more that I'm feeling distant from my party as I've moved back home because the hyperbole takes you strong out here. Um, To all my uh, GOP brethren and sisters out there that are holding a candle, please recognize what you say and what you do, how you interpret data. There is a lot of stuff that we agree on with our friends across the aisle. And that is the renaissance we need to bring ourselves to. The American political spectrum has become way too vast with not enough gray area in it. We are stricken black and white with this huge chasm left in between that people must walk alone. And so it is a scary thing that we faced in this next year, especially with the presidential election coming up. Like, by all means, I'm looking for better choices than, like, crusty old white people who don't know what the hell they doing. Bro, like, how about uh, go into that melting pot we talk about so much and just, like, pull out some flavor or get something new. There's so many young people who have good things to say. There's there And there's people from all parties. That's the crazy part is we're now staring at a generation that is now mired in the shadow of a generation that won't let go of power. I mean, why do you think OK Boomer has become such a thing? It's visible now. We have dinosaurs running this world because they were afraid to pass a torch. Now is the time. And whether you feel that, uh, you know, your youth may not see it the way that you do, you have to respect that now is the time to pass that baton. So if they're going to make change that you want or even take the mantle and then you have to deal with the repercussions of them taking the mantle, because I'm noticing more and more like that I don't have to change parties. You know, I had this discussion in myself this week, especially after talking to Nick Alananda. I was like, you know what? Like, I mean take away a few things i kind of agree with like greens and extremely centered dems right now more than i agree with republicans which is scary to me and that for me as a fiscal conservative and as a uh, a common sense regulator while also recognizing what the uh you know the mega class does provide outside of its taxable range like being aware of all these things is kind of hard when my party as far as i can tell is like stuck like in the stone ages they're still following uh you know training manuals from the 80s they're listening to people from out of space we have too many carpetbaggers in our party right now it's like why why can't they go back to their own state Why can't they just go and fix their problems? Why did they run away from their problems to come and screw with ours? With that being said, guys, if you really want to be down with the GOP like me, 
You need to get rid of your carpetbaggers. You need to go out and talk to your neighbors. You need to see how your personal point of view applies alongside theirs. And then you need to come to a series of compromises that can either elevate us towards a common sense of being or at least make it a more amenable place to live in. So do that with your vote. Do that with your community by talking to them. Do that by showing up when the county council says that there's a hearing. Do it by just helping out. Because that's the other thing is like we're at a point now, just like the chickens in there, we're at a point now where it's not just a matter of who will lead us and who will save us. Who will help us but ourselves? And that time has come. So think about the world around you by thinking about yourself, by picking up those hands, by getting those elbows greasy, by looking into your heart and recognizing that people are just like you trying to get by every day trying to weather the world around them. Let us not be separate ships in a storm railing against each other, but find ourselves as more than just friends in fair weather and look out for each other when faced with this adversity around us. That's what you need to do. So thank you for all the listens, all the follows, all the shout outs. Uh, As I uh, come out of Facebook jail this week, uh, I appreciate all the love that's been sent my way that could come my way. And uh, as we uh, as we approach episode 100, uh, I think that it's time to make a huge change to the way that things are done here at Rabbit Holes. So uh, I've been looking into what people need. I've been, uh, uh, you know, just surveying what people want. So uh, once I get the system down here, because I figured out how to plug into it, uh, we're going to be giving weather and surf reports because it turns out you guys care about that a lot more than just about anything else. You guys find what I'm saying interesting, but I think if I wanted to get more people in the conversation, that's what we're going to do. So I'm listening to you. I'm also looking at all the other places. So we're going to add that. We're going to do uh, you know a Maui-centric uh, uh, on these episodes, and then I might comment on... Uh, big things in the world as far as weather, uh, but uh, definitely Maui weathercast and serve reports by episode 100. That is my personal promise to myself in the next eight episodes. We're going to at least try to do this once a week and then probably extend it to dailies on Instagram because that's what you folks want besides like crime coverage and politics, which I'm all for that. So down, down like a clown, Charlie Brown. Let's make some radical positive change now. So mahalo again for all the listens. Mahalo. Be good to yourself. Be good to everyone around you. Make positive radical change. And now here is me catching up with Auntie Linda about her journey on the road to tell her story about being a last child of Kalapapa. We live in a fast-paced world where many people are too busy to sit down and read books or news articles. But thanks to Newsly, you can now listen to the news you wish you had the time to read. By utilizing AI technology, a natural human voice reads you the news, helping you grasp the information faster and more efficiently. 
Newsly provides the latest news updates 24-7, letting you browse articles from topics you choose. It even has podcasts, including ours. And listeners of Rabbit Holes can get their first 30 days of premium for free, allowing you to enjoy an ad-free experience by using the special promo code in our episode description. So download Newsly today for free on iOS and Android or visit www.newsly.me so you can stay updated on the things that matter to you. Hello? Hi, how are you? How's it? <laughs> Hi. Hey, there's one thing I wanted to bring up. Um, 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 the story court came and they did a special when my brother was visiting me here. And they aired it on on internet on Friday. Right on. Yeah. And they did another special with me and my granddaughter. And I don't know when that's coming up. Well, you let me know when it comes up. We'll make sure to share it with everybody. Yeah, yeah. You can share the one on Friday. You just have to um, go online and just type in StoryCorps, and that's the story about my brother and I, when we got found. I'll find it. Yeah, yeah. So how have you been? Good, good. Very busy. I actually uh, just finished... uh, interviewing all of the candidates for the Maui County election that I could get yeah, a hold of. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, you've been quite a busy man. Trying to make sure busy everybody man. gets heard. Right. <laughs> How's the weather there? Uh, you know, it's it's good, you know, for those who like it, you know. So, I mean, I, yeah. it's... We're, it, we're finally cooling down now, so... Yeah. It's been quite hot, but now it's cooling down a little bit. Yeah, and I was I was in the hospital for a week. Was that is after your after your birthday? Which, by the way, happy yeah. belated birthday! Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I went in before my birthday. I was there for five days. They they found a mask, oh, some kind of mask, close to my liver, and I don't know, but <clears throat> and then they thought they 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 ran um, a blood work and they found. Some kind of cancer in my in my um, <clears throat> my my bloodstream, so they didn't know where it's from. So I went today to take a, um, to see my breast care. Uh, so they, I, I have to go have a biopsy of my left breast uh, next week. Mm. Yeah. So I'm just in, um, just living day to day to see what the heck's going on because I know I have to go in and have surgery on my stomach to get rid of that um, mass that's growing in my tummy. And they took this and they, they found that it's not cancerous. said that they have to remove it. Other than that, I'm just coming along. <laughs> well, um, so the StoryCorps thing happened, and then uh, you, you mentioned that the documentary's picking up. Yeah, as a matter of fact, we're coming here on the 11th, 10th, 11th, and 12th. Um, um, the person that's doing the documentary is bringing Aliyah Wong, who was the first person that told my story through um, Honolulu Civil Beat. 
she lives in Washington, D.C., and she works for um, U.S. News Today. Well, she's flying her here on that weekend, and she's going to do a segment of her and I for the documentary. Right on. Yeah, so she's trying to, I guess she's, and then she was in Europe for a whole month. She went to go, I guess, talk to this um, editor to see if he would like to get on board with her. And he is on board, so then she's working with him. So I guess she's trying to put everything together and have it done before February so she can submit it in the Sundance Festival. So we'll see where it goes from there. I'll cross my fingers for you. I know, me too. <laughs> and another thing that she just called me when she found out I was in a hospital and she found out how sick I was and they don't know if I have cancer or not. She called and asked permission if she could name her first daughter, firstborn daughter, May. So she wants to name her May. So I was kind of happy about that. <laughs> I was thrilled. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. So she's, um, I haven't seen her since, the last time I seen Annabella was like, um, um, the beginning of this year. No, no, excuse me. The last time I saw her was last year when I went back to Maui for the book signing. And that was the last time I seen her. So she's coming again on the 10th, 11th, and 12th this month. <laughs> She's excited about the 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 thing they had from um, the story chorus. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then also they had um, the, they had um, registered it in the Library of Congress. My story. Awesome. Yeah, yeah they finally um, got it in, so it's registered with the Library of Congress. So I'm kind of happy about that. <laughs> So what else you got going on in your life these days? Nothing much. Just just waiting and seeing how far I can take my story and who is going to be listening to it. And I think that what I'm looking out of the whole thing is um, to get closure and to see who was going to walk to this and giving and answer my question: Why was this done and why was you know? I said it just it just stays in my mind, why isn't anybody admitting it that this happened, you know, what, you know, because still today no one talks about the lost children. I don't see anything written about the lost children, you know, and it's, I've made it known that this happened, but nobody wants to hold up to it, you know. I and think I there's a, there's a, you know, there's, there's a, there's a bit of uh you know, just mixed feelings that come with subjects like this. And, and I'm right. just, you know, and, and I wonder what it, what it will take or how it will have to be said to the right people in right. order for them to want to have the conversation, you know, because I, I was having yeah. a really good conversation with uh, someone the other day and we were we were talking about just, you know, the Hawaiian Apology Act as an example and, uh-huh. uh, you know, how, how it as a piece of paper says that something happened but there's really no owning up in it, you know. And right. even there, you know, you, we we got to a point of like, well, that's better than 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 most things, I guess. But like, I I feel that a conversation like this, in order to in order to have it, like, why is it taboo to talk about it? Right, right. 
See, that's what I don't understand. I know it's it was kept back a few because there was such a um, um, stigma back in those days, back in the late 1800s and the early 1900s. You know, but that's over and done with. I'm here and I found out about it. And why wasn't we still mentioned as of today? Because they did remove a whole bunch of children and some of them, a lot of them were sent with family members and placed in family, good family members. Home, but us that were placed in uh, foster care, why wasn't, it seems like we're forgotten about and like never happened. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and why, you know, why, why, it, why was it? I mean, you know, like when I found out about it and I met um, the advocate for leprosy, she came from New York and came to Honolulu and saw me personally, but she had brought another woman with her, a lady, and she she um, introduced me to her as a lost child of Kawapapa, and she was, but the only problem was she was placed with a member, she was placed with a uh, family member, and I said, well, we're not the same because she knew who she was and where she was from. I didn't. You know, so there was a difference. It, they couldn't compare my story to her story, mm. you know, because it was entirely different. Even though she was taken away from her mother when she was born, but she was placed with a family member, and there was, there's a lot different. You know, I wasn't. I was placed with someone that, you know, that didn't know my parents, you know, and was kept a secret, you know, and I don't know why. It was kept a secret, you know. Why was we different, in other words, you know? We're still children that was taken away from people, from parents that had leprosy, but some some people's story was told, but us that were placed in foster care, our story was never told or never heard. And that, I think that's my main, my main objective, you know? Why were we so different? <laughs> I don't know. I just have to keep on going, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's good that you do. You know? Yeah. So like if if we if if we had if we had your voice in, in front of, you know, all the people who did matter to to make a difference right now, what would you say to them? I would say, you know, I I, I think my main issue is that I guess I was hurt and I guess I was um angry because I didn't find out until later years in my life, when I was 54, almost 55, that I was adopted. And I mean, I I knew I was adopted at the age of 10, but I did not know the story why. I was told differently, and I didn't know that both of my parents had leprosy. And I think the difference between people born to parents that had leprosy their life, you know, those that were placed in family members' home, their life was never hidden while mine was. And it just irritated, well, it didn't irritate, it just angered me because I didn't find out until my later life, you know, my later years in life, and finding my real family, my biological family when we're older, and missing all that time, you know what I mean? Not knowing, you know, I never got the opportunity to know or be brought up with my, my siblings. Or not knowing, well, I got to meet my mother, but never had the opportunity to meet my mom, my dad. That was taken away from me. 
you know. And I, I mean, that's where the whole thing is. That's where all it stems from, the anger of, you know, not knowing everything mm. until a later part of my life. You know, like if I found out, like if I was in a teenager or early adulthood, you know, I could have found closure way, way, way before then, but I was 54 years old. You know, and then I, I know it just it just hurted me to go. Here I thought that my my adoptive family was my real family, and then the story was told by my adoptive parents that my parents gave me away because I was the only child and they had um, a career and they didn't want to be tied down. And to find out it wasn't true, I mean that's what's real disheartening. Mm. You know that we're lied to. Yeah, I think some people feel like they're protecting children, but then they don't realize the long-term effects, you know? Yeah, that's why I told my sister, you know, you know, especially white people, you know, they find IP, you know, this yeah. nice thing, you know? Yeah. I understand, and that's, you know, that's the good part, because, you know, they're doing things for kids, but the thing is, yeah, but they don't know how much it affects them when they turn older, and they find out that that's not their real family, and then to come to find out that they had another family and to get, I don't know, it's, it's just, I don't know how to explain it, but it hurts because, you know, I'm here. I was brought up with a family for 55 years and all of a sudden I have another family, you know, and getting to know them and in your mind and your thoughts, will this other family accept me or like me, like my family that I already have, you know, it's, very hard to explain to people the different thoughts that go in, went into my mind and heart. You know? Mm-hmm. You know, and then to explain it to my children. You know, and I know my children were angered about it because they don't understand why were they were, why things were, why, why it was a big lie to me too, you know? Because it was very hard for them to understand it. But I tried to explain them. I said, you know, at that time and age, you know, the disease, leprosy, was very, very, it was, it, you didn't, nobody wanted to talk about it. So it was, kept, it was kept as a secret, you know? Yeah, you know, and, and I think that, like, especially with the day and age that we live in now, for how much more is accepted in these times that we currently right. live in, you know, I think it is kind of hard for younger children to kind of, like, understand the hows and whys you know like my grandmother used to tell me stories about when she was uh, a young woman in in the marine corps with my grandfather and what it was like just like being in that world in that day and age in the way that things weren't accepted and the things that were considered hidden or private Mm -hmm. or you didn't bring up or you would just keep your head down it's not as open as we are today and you know when i Found out that both of my parents had leprosy and why. You know, I understand, I understand completely why they took the children away because there was a disease that they didn't know anything about it. I understand that quite. I, I, you know, they were just trying to protect us. But later part in the 60s and 70s where they had the epidemic of AIDS when AIDS first came out, I didn't hear them taking any children away from the people that had AIDS. So why was we different? You know what I mean? Yeah. No, right, well, and right. and that sat in a very weird area in the press because it it got tied a lot into 
uh, the war on drugs at the time. So, like, the public's right. view of that really got distorted a lot, whereas, like, leprosy was always just seen as leprosy. So it was right, an outlier already, yeah. you know. Whereas, like, I think the AIDS epidemic was so much to unpack that it didn't right. really get targeted in that zone, you yeah. know? Yeah, you know, when I found out, you know, that that went through my mind, you know, and I felt like why was it different, you know, and then I just didn't understand the reason behind it, you know. I just felt so, um, I guess I just felt so, like, um, how can I put this? I I felt like we was put in the category on its own, and then we were just nobody wants to talk about it, so shut it up and just just keep on putting it on the carpet. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's how I felt. <laughs> and my thing is, I just wanted to bring it out to world. Well, this happened. I mean, you know, come on, let's talk about it. Yeah. Why are we so different? You know, so. <laughs> I don't know. And it still goes through my head, you know, why? I mean, now that, I mean, that I wrote my book and people are aware of it, a lot of people, I mean, important people, they knew about it, but it's still kept a secret. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, it's out there. I mean, yeah, sorry, this happened. That's all I want. Sorry, this happened. We had no choice. We was trying to protect the children. But don't, but don't keep on putting it under the it or hiding us, you know. So I'm not asking for I'm not asking for fame. I'm not asking for monetary. I just yeah want some kind of um closure and some kind of acknowledge that this 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 really happened. You know? Yeah. Would you say would you say that you, you have you have any big positive things to take away from this now that you do have all this knowledge though like like on your road to like personal self-discovery and and you're coming to peace in your life how how is that journey like i i know so much about like the hows and whys of like what got you to this point but what i think i would love to be able to know and i think the listeners would is is just that like what's what what have you gained from this in, in your journey? What what are the what are the silver linings that you, that you have? Well, I think my sil- my my silver lining and my thing that I want to say is, you know, I understand that there was a stigma. I understand that completely. I understand that they had no choice but to do this because they're trying to protect the children because they didn't know anything about leprosy. But the thing is I do want to be acknowledged that this happened. That's all. Yeah. That's all I'm asking, you know? You know, I am happy where I'm at because I found out the truth and I find, and I had the opportunity to meet my my brothers and none, and one of my sisters, but, you know, I never got the opportunity to meet my father. But I just want them to acknowledge that this happened and it shouldn't be kept a secret anymore. You know, it shouldn't be kept a secret because this really happened, I think. I think that's what I'm trying to put across. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you understand where I'm coming from? Absolutely. That's all I'm asking. Yeah. You know, I'm not asking for the moon. You know, I just want to be acknowledged that I'm not crazy that this happened and somebody needs to acknowledge that. 
I think that at its core resonates with 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 many Hawaiians. You know, I mean that's a that's a lot of our journey is is recognized pain, especially yeah. coming into you know the American age of being Hawaiian. You know. Right. Yeah, and it's sad. It's sad that um, and I think what really outrageous me is that there's so many people that I've talked to and known of my story, and then I wrote a book, and I guess it still angers me today that nobody has acknowledged it. You know, and it's angered me because I'm going to keep on doing it. To some, I mean, pushing with this until somebody acknowledges it. That's all I'm asking. To let people know that, you know, this happened, they're sorry. That's all, you know. I guess that's all I'm asking for is just to be known that, you know, at that time and age, they didn't know what to do, this is what they did. And that's it. And close the book. And we go on. You know. I think everything happens for a reason, but everything has to have answers for it. For what had happened. That's what I'm, I think I'm trying to say. You know? I don't know. I don't know how to put it. You know, I was 54 going on 55 when this happened. And I just set, turned 74. Wow. So it's 20 years. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a long road to walk to, to get to where, you, where, where you've gotten so yeah. far. Yeah, I know. I've gone far. Well, Auntie, so anyway, we'll yeah. go ahead and see what else we can do, and you keep in contact with me. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yes. and I'll find out next week when Annabella, who's doing the documentary, come. I'll I'll further question her and see how how she's doing with this documentary and what does she have plans for it. And I can contact you, and then we can go from there. Right on, right on. Yeah, I know. And I made the story tour came the beginning of October because my brother was visiting me from Maui. So she wanted to interview my brother and I. And then um, a week ago, the whole Story Corps Corporation was here in Vegas for the whole month of October. And they're, I think they're leaving tomorrow, the 3rd. And they called me up and they did another interview with me and they wanted me to bring someone, but I didn't have anyone. So, but my granddaughter moved there because she's my caregiver now. So I took her, I took her with me and then we had an interview from 11 to 2.30 at Interverse. And so I don't know when that story is going to be aired. Well, I'll be on the lookout for them and I'll make sure to uh, put all the links in the show notes of this episode. So then that okay. way, anybody you send this way to listen to this, they get all the okay. links to all of those too. Yeah, because I tell everybody about the link, about your link, about to hear my story, you know. So then we'll just go from there. Right on. So then I'll be hearing from you whenever. So we get together for the, another segment or whatever. Well, I'm hoping the next time that I see you, we, we can do it on the Ina. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would be nice. That would be nice. But anyway, I wish you luck with all your, whatever you have coming, you know, along. And I know you'll go far because you're a great person to tell stories. You really are. Well, 
thank you for coming on to tell your story. And I'll make sure if uh, I'm in Las Vegas anytime soon, I'll stop in and say hello. Yeah, yeah, you need to come and stop stop and see me. Okay? Will do. Okay, aloha. Aloha. You have a great one, okay? And good luck for all your endeavors, okay? You too, Auntie. Take care. Okay, (laughs) bye-bye. 